First John chapter 1, one uh, 5 through 10. I don't know how many of you have had the joy, the luxury of driving with me in a car. Not many of you. There's a reason why my wife drives everywhere for us. I'm in the passenger seat. Um, it's not just because I like being chauffeured. I love, I love that. That's fun. Um, I'm just a notoriously bad driver. Are you, is, it, is there anyone else that's a bad driver? You can be brave. Let's, we can be, we can be honest in here, right? We're walking in the light. We can, we can be honest. We don't have anything to hide. I'm a notoriously bad driver. Um, the first three cars I owned have had some scuff or wreck um, from the time I was like 18 on. Um, my current car right now has also suffered some collateral damage because of my driving. Um, I was invited, I don't know, uh, last week actually. Um, I didn't know that there was a mod pizza on like 270 and um, what is that? Is that Dorset? I'm still getting to know places because I don't drive, okay? 270 in Dorset, and I'm, I'm following my GPS. I feel like I've got a good idea, and everything is going swell until I'm getting off the, the interstate, and it tells me to take a right. I didn't hear that, and I took a left. And then it continued, what I heard at least from the GPS was, um, it, it led me to this roundabout and I kept going around it. I didn't know, I went around it at least twice. And not a joke, I wish, I wish it were, I wish it were a joke. Um, I'm a notoriously bad driver and I, I need things to tell me the way to go. I, 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 need, I, need, I need direction. Um, I need a guide. And John's writing to an occasion such as that. There have been people, false teachers, who infiltrated the church that he loved. He was their spiritual dad, and he started leading people astray, and then they started going astray even further and even leaving the church, um, disrupting their unity. It was just a bad sight, y'all. And, and John is telling them, hey, look, a lot of craziness, a lot of scary stuff happening in the first century. Let's just make it really simple for you though. Walk the path. Jesus has illuminated for us a way to go, to move from this life, this journey that we're on to life eternally with him. Walk the lit path that he's made for us so clearly. And so in the passage five, uh, five through 10, I think you're gonna see um, what we might call guardrails. We don't hit the guardrails all at once. It ends up being a slow drift, like maybe you've fallen asleep at night or while you were driving at 2.30 in the morning and you should have stopped for a hotel room, but tapping a big piece of metal woke you up and then made you stop. Maybe I'm the only one that's felt that too. <laughs> they're, they're telling us that we're in the ditch that there were some people in, his, in, in the churches that he was shepherding that had found themselves in the ditch. But he's telling them that there's a way to get back on track. And so that there are mile markers that we could follow as we're walking this life in faith and obedience in Jesus. And so I would invite you, if you're able to, would you stand out of reverence for God's word?
You're going to see an underlined portion here, verse 5. Would you read that aloud with me? Starting verse 5, this is what the word of the Lord says. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, it cleanses us from all sin. How much sin? All sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Would you read this aloud with me? In the, in the all part. This is God's word to us. You can be seated. So we've got guardrails. We've got, we've got mile markers that they're, they're keeping us like, hey, I'm on the right direction, right? Let's talk about those, uh, those guardrails that are there to keep us from going into the ditch or flying into oncoming traffic. That's not something we want to do, right? We might say it in a different way. Am I straying or have I strayed from the lit path that Jesus has put before us? So if you look at verses six, eight, and 10, it starts off with a statement about the words that we use. So verse six, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we say one thing, but our actions demonstrate something else. Guardrail one. Guardrail two, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. Again, it's about the language, the vocabulary, the conversations that we have. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. We get to the third one now. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word isn't in us. Again, he's starting the conversation out and about how we want to present ourselves and how we carry ourselves are two different things. The guardrails are deception. The words that he uses are lies, that we are communicating lies to some, someone, some group of people. And it's influenced by the doctrine that people have. We heard this last week. You're going to keep hearing this through the book of John, though. The, the, the letter of 1 John is that truth transforms God's people. And ultimately, when we believe and lean into bad doctrine, it affects our life in negative, heinous ways. Again, these folks were saying that they had fellowship with God, that they knew God. Um, just talking with Ron just a moment ago, Bible scholar, theologian extraordinaire noted that in the book of John, he uses the word know 34 different times. And so these folks are saying that they know him when in fact they don't, their actions demonstrate something to the contrary. Let's look at the first guardrail though. So he says that we lie to one another. 
you're taking notes, the first one, guardrail-wise, we lie to one another. So when we say that we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we're communicating something to two different groups of people, primarily to God, but we'll get to that in a moment. The other group of people is one another. We're saying something that's false to a church, to people that we have fellowship with. Can we say it plainly? Maybe we could say it in a different way. One reason why there might be a lack of unity or togetherness or fellowship or feelings of feeling accepted at home in the body could be because of sin. That's not the only reason that we find in the Bible. And the Bible doesn't always speak to mental illness and things like that. But at the very least, John is dealing with how false doctrine infects and warps and twists our hearts and how that just comes out in normal everyday life. When we believe bad things about God or about each other, we treat one another poorly. We don't treasure Jesus when we don't think of him as ultimate and final and as Lord and as master. Again, division, strife, pain, all of that comes when we live contrary to God's rule, God's expectations, what he calls us to be. We're called to live. And so our relationship with Jesus, with his father is based upon what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The crucifixion and resurrection means that we're adopted as sons and daughters into his family. And as awesome as it is to go to a gym at 8.30 at night with a couple of young guys or talking about politics or talking about your favorite kind of music, all of these wonderful things that we group around, like affinity kind of things, mutual interests, as great and good as those things are, the foundation for our relationship together is Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. And so the reason why this is a lie is because as people start trusting in Jesus, they start following Jesus. Remember that, that first Peter passage that we read just a moment ago? Jesus purchased for us a, a new way to live. He invites us to live righteously, justly. He invites us to live a life that's worthy of the calling that he's given to us, namely as priests and sons of daughters of God and worshipers and those that are sent out into the world to make him famous. The lie is that he doesn't expect us to change. He doesn't call us to change. But the Father, Son, and the Spirit are ferociously for you being made holy. Everything that they do in regards to your salvation is to take you from the point of being lost to finding yourself and your life in him to where there are no other gods before us, to where we love our neighbor as ourselves. 
The challenge with the guardrail is I'm not, I'm not suggesting that if you tap the guardrail, you're one and done, all right? It's a slow drift, though, when we start moving and saying, I can say that I belong to Jesus, but my life has not been transformed at all. And so we have to, we have to bring a question to bear on our life. Has Jesus really saved me? Does does he really want me to change? Does he really want me to love these people the way that he loves them? Does he really want me to love and serve my church the way that he prizes them? Does he want me to pour my life out like he had? That's the first one. The second one is one of the the greatest um, magic tricks of all time, and it's the art of self-deception. Again, I hate driving. I don't like it. It's terrible. I'd rather you drive. If we go to lunch, I'll buy. It's great. Um, But when I do drive, um, there's this little light sometimes that shows up on your dashboard, and it looks like an engine. And there might be words in it, like check it. Um, I don't like checking it. Again, I'm just being honest, okay? Or maybe you've been in a hurry and you see that, that awesome fuel light turn on. And you're in a rush and you're trying to, and you're like in rush hour traffic and you don't know if you're going to stall out on the interstate or if you're going to get to work on time. It's, it's a gamble. We're, 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 we're playing the odds right now. Not, not checking the idiot light, as it's affectionately called. It could be anything from a blown gasket to needing blinker fluid. Apparently that's a thing. <laughs> the, the great deception is I can believe that I don't need to check what's going on in my vehicle and I could just keep going until something catastrophic happens. Something breaks. Wouldn't that be amazing to see like a rod like go through your your hood? Not amazing, right? It's the art of self-deception. And this is something that we can do all too well when, when when we're not careful. We can start drifting in this direction. The danger is believing that you can get You can get a relationship with God. You can be known by God. You can have safety and security from him. Or that everything would be a-okay between you two without going to him in utter dependence and need. The lie is that we can be on good terms with him without acknowledging that there's been something that I've done. This can happen for both non-Christians who don't recognize that they've offended a holy God and they need, they need forgiveness. They need to know what it's like to have the, 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 the stony parts of their heart awaken and alive 
to see that there's a different way to live. And it can happen for believers too in the slow drip of when I sin, I don't think it's actually that bad because Jesus will take care of it. And that he will. But what a dangerous place to be when you presume upon his grace. We don't find the healing that we need. We don't find the rest that we need. And instead, we just drive along until our car breaks and we're waiting for someone to rescue us. What if you didn't have to do that? Like, What if you didn't have to find yourself in the ditch? There's a better way. The final one is the most terrifying one though. And that is that we lie to God. What does verse 10 say? If we say that we haven't sinned, We make God out to be a liar. I don't know if I'm comfortable saying that. But effectually, practically, when we don't recognize our wrong and the crimes that we've done, when we're aloof about our spiritual life, we can functionally say this to him. God, your accusations towards me I don't just, I don't buy them, okay? Nah, dog, I'm okay. To say that you have not sinned is to tell a deliberate lie and it's to accuse God of lying. And so what do we do? We drive a little bit slower. And this is cause for self-reflection. We need to develop a discipline of self-reflection as we get to know him in the word. We don't have an idiolite per se, but we do have a mirror that exposes us. We would say it a different way. This is what it looks like to live in the light. And so those are, those are guardrails. How can we follow the lit path though? How can we do that? I think he gives us two different actions, two different commands or expectations. And and we can ask these in the form of a question too. Number one, do I walk in the light? Do I walk in the light? To point it more towards you, do you walk in the light as he is in the light? That's part of verse seven, isn't it? If walking in darkness means that we deceive those and those that we have fellowship with or perceive fellowship with, we deceive ourselves or we try to say that God is deceiving other people, we're in clear danger. But the good news is that we can take a corrective measure and we could course correct by walking in the light as he is in the light. And so we walk in the light because God has revealed what's true for us. This is not about works. This passage isn't just about if you get everything right and you're perfect, there's blessing and joy and happiness. That's not the heart of what John is getting at. There is blessing and obedience, that's true. But he's not saying that this is works-based salvation. The dude John that wrote 1 John is the same dude that wrote the Gospel of John. He's the same dude that wrote John 3.16. Do you know John 3.16? Say it with me. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. How do we receive eternal life? By believing in his son. This is where life is, and it's found in his son. That's what we heard last week. This life that that they've longed for has been made manifest before them. When you read just a little bit beyond, though, in John, John answers the question, can faith be evaluated? Can trust in Jesus, can it be made tangible? And he says, yes. Whoever believes, John 3, 36, whoever believes in his son has eternal life. If you trust in Jesus today, he promises you, he's going to carry you on forever. Forever. I don't think I'm going to get an amen from this though. But whoever doesn't obey Whoever doesn't obey the Son will not see life. Do you feel that? Trust looks like walking with Him. Trust looks like I know, and I've I've, I've seen um, John John Stott, the great pulpiteer. Um, few years ago in Britain, he said that God has given us light, not just to see, but so that we might walk. Do you, do you walk the lit path that he's illuminated for you? It looks like learning about how to love like he loves and championing the things that he loves. It looks like fighting sin like he does. It's trust and it's also radically relational. We want to walk in the light because that's who he is and we want to be close to him. Don't you want to be close to the one that knows you intimately and knows all of your needs and weaknesses and sees you for who you are and is still not saying get out of my presence but rather welcomes you in. Don't you want to walk with a Savior that is intimately gentle, infinitely kind, infinitely merciful with people that skin their knees when they slip and fall? when they don't want to stay on the path. We walk in the light because God is the light. And that's where we want to be. Do you love the things that he loves? Do you love the things that he loves because he loves them? Do you walk the path? The expectation is heavy, and that is we are to be faithful to Jesus with all the time that we have. But we don't do it well all the time. 
We are imperfect and constantly in need of a savior and rescuer. And so he gives us the second, um, second mile marker. And this is one of the greatest antiseptics on the planet. And it's, it's the work of confession. What happens when I walk in the light, when I do this, everything's exposed in me. My mind, my desires, my will, as prickly as it can be. But we don't always follow the path. And so God gives the medicine for us. He's infinitely gracious. There's not anything wonderful or amazing as far as our confession is concerned. It's not a magical incantation. What is incredible about confession, though, is that God gives grace for us to be able to agree with him about what he says about my sin about, and about his answer for my sin. And so when we confess back to him, we are agreeing with him in the best way we possibly can. God, I know that when I fail, I know that this hurts you. Jesus, when I don't love people and when I'm not honest with people and I'm not giving them gospel clearly, this hurts you. Jesus, when I put other things or other people above you, my relationship with you is off a bit and I need to come correct. And so on one hand, we confess as best as we can, agreeing with God about what he says about my sin and what does he ultimately say about sin? That it's worthy to separate me from him. After we become Christians, we're saved from the penalty of being separated from him. It doesn't lessen the blow cosmically though. Let me try a different way. If that were the only thing that I had ever done poorly or wrongly or sinfully in my life, and Jesus had not rescued me yet for not loving my wife well, that would be enough to separate me from him. Even more than that, this is reason why Jesus gives his life for you and me, so that we wouldn't have to. But when we perpetuate and continue on and ignore and not say out loud that our sin is worthy of such a penalty, it cheapens what Jesus has done. We don't want to do that. So this gives us another opportunity to be able to worship him. We confess, we, 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 we say with God what he says about my sin. It's wicked. It's wrong. It hurts people. It wounds unnecessarily. There can be rifts between you and God, but God seeks to repair those too through his son, Jesus. So my sin is worse than I could possibly imagine. And yet Jesus's grace is intimately more deep, immeasurably wide. His mercy for me is far more powerful. God, I can't imagine 
I can't imagine all of the things that you have done for me, even while I am still a sinner who is in the process of being made to look more like Jesus. How you continue to provide for me, even though I'm foolish some days, I'm arrogant some days. You continue and persist in being so kind. I know that in Christ you made me yours and I know that you're going to keep me until the very end. John is not interested with just giving you a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's not how he works. John is writing to people that have had a jarring experience because they came, someone came in, told them bad news about Jesus, which wasn't true. And then they skedaddled with a couple other people. What John is interested is combating bad theology. And he's also interested in giving you assurance. He wanted to give his friends assurance. So what brings long lasting, I want to stay on the road. It's one thing to remember when we prayed to trust Jesus. It's another thing to see how God has changed you and matured you over time. And you can see where from decades past where you've come from and how God has led you still on his path thus far. And you could see his faithfulness in how far he has brought you. Some of you might have just a short memory of not seeing who you once were. And I would ask you today, pray to the Lord, ask the Lord, maybe get alone in silent contemplation and ask him, show me who I once was. And marvel at his power in your life. Or maybe just a moment of sobriety and honesty. If he hasn't changed me, then trust him today. But for those of you that are chronically failing, like me, we, we do the confession thing too. And in confession, we can still fail and fall forward. Even in our act of confessing to the Lord, Lord, I need you. Forgive me. Lord, I need you. I need your power. Lord, I, need, I just need your presence. Exposing ourselves over and again to him, it enables us, we stay on the path. That's not a failure. So walk it out this week. Meet with the Lord. Know him, love him, be changed by him. And when you don't, ask him for help. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Your word points us back to you. We want to know the direction that we should go. Your spirit speaking to us through the word. That's the way. And you teach us about who we are and 
our great need and how great our Savior is. Father, we want to walk in the light and share in the light. Father, I pray for weary saints that have just been walking for some time and they've got some scars and bumps. Um, they're, they're intimately aware of, of how hard it is to follow you some days. But I pray that they would find sweet peace and relief and rest in confessing their great need for you. and rejoicing in the great promise that you are near to the brokenhearted. I pray for others that keep kissing the guardrails or are in the ditch. Father, they're here today. That makes me believe that they can still get out and I pray that they would walk out uh, the life that, they've, that you've called them to. And trust and obedience to Jesus. Would you do that? the shame and guilt that they might feel from having to come back over and again. Father, every brother and sister here is invited to know you through the discipline and joy of confession. Not to me, not to a priest, but to you. Father, we want to walk the path out because this is where you are and we want to know you ultimately. Would you make our hearts big for you? Would you build up endurance in us to continue to walk it out with you? It's in your name that we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.